Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Oh, yeah, let's do this bad boy, Greg. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Episode 20 of this podcast. Time is flying by. Uh, Of course, you want to subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the way we keep doing business here with the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Let's first, Greg, before we get into the Jets game, because honestly, I don't think a lot of people are going to be pumped and jacked about the Jets game on Monday night. But let's get to the trading deadline. What have you heard? Did they try to do something? Were they kind of lackadaisical or, or kicked back at the deadline? What are your sources telling you about how everything went on that day? From what I heard uh, from people, I don't think the Patriots were very active uh, going out there, certainly as far as adding people. And I don't think that they were very aggressive going out there to, say, pawn off a Stephon Gilmore or Joe Tooney. I think they were more of a sit back, let people come to them type of thing. And, you know, look, that's sort of what we ended up with. Uh, You know, I know some people, I talked to uh, one personnel executive of a team that, you know, is, is borderline out of it in the type of team that you might go to and pluck a few people, uh, including, some that would make a lot of sense for this team, and they didn't hear anything from the Patriots. So that uh, you know, sort of tells me where they are right now. Um, as far as what they did, uh, the 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 receiver Isaiah Ford, I watched his film yesterday. They got him for a conditional six round pick from the Dolphins. Look, he's he he's fine. I mean, he's a he's a very capable NFL receiver. Uh, he doesn't do anything well except for his mind. Uh, what I what I saw was a very advanced receiver, as far as his uh, his knowledge of scheme, route running, what everybody else is doing around them, working with the quarterback. He, he he's able to do a lot of subtle movements, head fakes, delays. He, he he I saw a lot of that stuff on film, so that tells me that he understands the entire scheme. Uh, that he knows what everyone's doing. And, and that's pretty impressive considering he's in the first year of a scheme with Chan Gailey down there uh, because Chad O'Shea was there for the couple of years before that. Uh, so I, th- or the one year before that. So I think that, uh, I think that Ford is a type of kid who can contribute quicker than most receivers. I don't think there's any doubt that he can assimilate into this offense. And, but 
I just wonder, how, you know, how big of a ceiling it is. He's really a big slot. He's the same size as Jacoby Myers, probably a little thicker, a little bit more shake. Uh, but he's just not, you watch him on film, he's just not all that fast. So can he catch the ball? You know, six, seven yards, not get much yak? Yes. But if you're looking for somebody to change the game, be dynamic, he's not that guy. Are you surprised that they weren't active? You know, we talked about guys like Gilmore. We obviously talked about guys like Joe Tooney. Are you surprised that the Patriots weren't a little bit more aggressive since you and I both believe Tooney will not be a Patriot next year, and it's very unlikely that Gilmore is going to be a Patriot? Did that surprise you? Yeah, it did, Nick. I mean, I I, I thought that was the smart way to go. I think that, you know, perhaps Belichick was balancing – all right, if I do trade Gilmore or I do trade Tooney, what does that say to the rest of the team? Now, I, I understand that on Tooney uh, because you do have an offensive line that uh, finally has been intact for the past couple games uh, with a Wenu at right tackle along with the rest of the guys. And they've started to play well. It gives Cam a chance. Um, you know, I know I was positive about cam and the offense's performance in the last podcast uh and that was before i watched the second half of the offense and, and i'm even more so now and and we can we could probably talk about that uh for a couple minutes but uh i i think that tooney might have maybe bill was worried about the message that trading tooney would have sent to the rest of the locker room gilmore i think the people i think that the guys on the team realize you know what what he's doing uh they love him, but you know he he's taking care of business, and he's been taking care of business. And and players in the locker room leave that separate. They don't you don't right. talk about another guy's business. Yep. You don't criticize another guy for going and getting his bag. You don't do any of that stuff. So I thought I thought that that would have lent Gilmore to going. But I think if the Patriots were really asking for a first round pick and a player like uh, Diana Rossini's report was, and I and I hadn't heard that from anybody. That's a lot. I mean, yeah. considering that Gilmore's been a pain in the rear end on his contract uh, coming into this, this offseason, to the point that the Patriots had to do what they had to do, and also that Gilmore basically held out of meaningful camp practices, considering that's all the practice they got uh, during the offseason. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he's going to be have to – be given a new contract like he's gonna be 31 in september next year he's gonna be 31 yep right now he's 30 he knows the clock's ticking he knows he needs that extension this off season who in the covid reality economic reality in the nfl is going to trade a first round pick a player Nobody. and probably that that means a younger player a building block type player and then hand over you know 25 million dollars a year to an aging quarterback i mean yeah, it's not gonna happen it's not gonna. I mean, I, I no. thought a fair. I, I thought a fair deal would have been a second round pick and maybe a young player, a yep. second round pick and a mid round pick. Something like that made more sense yep. to me. If that was Bill's hard line, I knew it wasn't going to happen. If if Rusini is right and they were asking first round pick and a young player, that's just not going to happen for a guy that, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. is going to be thirty one in September. And when you look at cornerbacks. When you get to 31-32, that's when you start to see the decline. Darrell Rivas was pretty much done once he hit 32 years old. So the team has to think whoever is trying to bring Gilmore in, not only is he now going to be on the wrong side of 30, 
but he's also looking for that big time contract. And, you know, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. So I was surprised. I also think Greg, and I want to get your thoughts about this before we move on to something else. I think the future of Gilmore could be tied to JC Jackson. If you think Jackson is a true number one corner, then it's easier to swallow the loss of Gilmore. If you're Belichick and be able to, you know, get some of those assets for Gilmore. If you don't think that Jackson can be a true number one guy, then you might be a little bit more hesitant and you might be drawing that hard line for Gilmore. I wonder what you think. Do you think JC Jackson is a number one corner in the NFL? Not saying shutdown guy. Do you think he's good enough, Greg, where in the long term, Belichick's looking at this and says, hey, whatever happens with Gilmore, we've got Jackson. Yeah, I think so. I mean, at least it's equitable. And certainly with what Jackson's going to make, he's going to be an RFA next year. Yeah. So uh, so he's going to be at a decent contract next year, certainly compared to Gilmore. Um, you know, I don't – a side topic to this Jackson thing, and I do think he's a number one corner, and I think he showed it on Sunday against Stefan Diggs outside of that 141-yard sort of catch and run by Diggs. He really didn't do that much in the game. Yeah. Yep. And they they were certainly probably looking to test him because uh, they knew uh, Gilmore's situation. But, you know, I think now the offshoot is, all right, well, now what do you do with Gilmore? Like, how is that all going to play out? Because yeah. that is not a guy who's going to play. So he is not going to want to play for $7 million next year. No way. Which is basically what he's set to make because of what they did cap-wise this year. How is that going to play out? I mean, if he sat out for another $5 million this year because he wanted a contract extension, the Patriots wisely wouldn't give it to him. Now what happens? I mean, because he is not going to play for that contract. And yeah, now I mean, you get into – go ahead. Uh, realistically, you've got three options, I think, right? I mean, yep. you either are going to hold on to him and give him an extension, which I think is highly unlikely because it highly. already would have been done. Or two, you trade him in the offseason, and I, I can't imagine – uh, you know, with less time left on his contract and knowing that he needs a new deal and wants a new deal, I can't imagine that Belichick is going to get if he did ask for a first-round pick and a player. It's even less likely once you get to the offseason. So you can trade him. Or, you know, the other option is to try to draw that hard line yourself in negotiations and say, listen, you know, we we love you as a player. This year is all screwed up because of how the cap has gone. Stefan, we really can't get you to a place who's willing to give you the money that you're looking for anyway. Let's try to ride this out and come to a, an agreement where, you know, we might be able to find a way to give you a little bit of a bump, but you got to kind of take your lumps. So I think that those are the happening. three options. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think you're missing a fourth ar- option, which is Armageddon. And they have to they, – they have to – they have to do something, and I do think I, I, you know, I don't think it can get to the. Tra- I think you can get to the trade, but I think there's going to be a lot of drama behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, you know, before before that. So I think, I think that, man, this is a tough situation. Um, they boxed him, boxed himself into, and I don't, <laughs> I don't envy them at all. Here's what I think happens. I think Gilmore's gone by the off season. I think inevitably it ends up being like a second round pick. And they end up giving a second round tender to Jackson. And then they have their spot where they have two second round picks. If Jackson walks and they don't want to match or they match and they bring Jackson back as their one to go along with Jonathan Jones. 
And then maybe you can spend another draft pick in next year's draft on another corner to cover yourself because I don't think Jason McCourty will be back either. So I think that's how it will all come together in the secondary in a few so, months. I, I just, you know, if I were the Patriots, I would have pulled the trigger this time around because that yep. way you can secure the return. And I don't know what the return is going to look like when we get to the offseason. All right, let's talk about yeah. this roster. Hey, real, real quick. So, yep. so you mean, so you mean a, uh, an actual rebuilding plan at cornerback? As as far as, as opposed to what they've done on offense, you mean actually, you know, oh, let's, <laughs> let's actually, you know, look at what we have and and trade and develop and maybe draft again to replace somebody. That yeah. well, that sounds like a plan. This yeah, good. I mean, I, I think you replenish the cornerback <laughs> position. You get younger and you move on from Gilmore. Gilmore is not the difference between you getting to a Super Bowl and not getting to a Super Bowl this year. So I would have dealt him. I also would have dealt Tooney. Let's talk about this roster, though, now that and I should say if teams were interested, I don't want to take it for granted that there was a trade to be had. If teams weren't interested and, you know, teams are trying to lowball you, I don't think you give up Gilmore for a third round pick. I just, you know, if you can meet in the middle somewhere and get a second and something else, I would have done it. Uh, let's talk yeah. about this roster, though, now, as as we stand currently, Greg, if you look on both sides of the football, let, let's try to be optimistic here a little bit. Mm hmm. As far as building blocks, as far as foundational pieces, yep. give me a few guys that you feel good about and you think gives this team a chance uh, to actually be back in the playoff hunt and, and maybe even be a contender within the next year or two. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think you have to start on the offensive line. Um, I, you know, I do think, I do think Isaiah Wynn is a building block. It, it, at what position? I'm not sure because I don't know, considering his size, I don't know if he's a tackle for the rest of his career. I mean, I would still, if I'm the Patriots, I'm still looking for tackles in the draft, more people that can play tackle slash guard. And I yeah. sort of figure it out. I just, yep. I, I want other options. Um, I think, I think that Tooney's gone. We've talked about that. Uh, David Andrews. Um, I just wanted to check his age real quick. All right. So he is, he is going to be 29 next season. I consider him a building block. I think he'll be here. Um, you know, for a while, even though I think his contract is coming up. Um, Mason, I would say, is a building block. I think Owenu is a building block. And as far as the offense, I do think Damian Harris is a building block. Um, and I think that's where I sort of stop on offense. I mean, I think those guys right there. So Nikhil Harry out? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I, I look. I'm not gonna indict <laughs> the kid right now, but I'm just yeah. talking about today, right. what I've seen to this point. And I do think that there's a reason, Nick, that he's been playing. You know, of course, we we all got the argument, and I think maybe you made it on Twitter. You know, why not more Jacoby Myers after what we saw this weekend? Why wasn't he out there? Well, then you got to set the first round pick who has yet to play a full NFL season. He played eight games last year. He's played you know whatever games this year. And, um, you know, and, and now he's hurt again and who knows with the concussion when we're going to see him, but I think, you know, you got to put the kid out there. You got to see what he can do. Right. And, you know, physically he's, he's a good player. He's not dominating, but, um, as of right now, I do not think he's building. So you don't have a building block. I mean, Damian Harris is a bit of a stretch just cause, and, and let's just chalk up running back to a position that I think, uh, Anybody is a building block. If you have a decent one, a decent young one, it doesn't not really matter who they are. Right, yeah, exactly. Not hard to find. And, and here, here's the thing I will say, okay? 
um, about Nikhil Harry. And this is what frustrates me a little bit about Nikhil. And it's not necessarily yep. on the player. It's on the team. You look at somebody like Travis Fulgham in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> similar, similar kind of player, though. Similar kind yep. of player where, you know, Fulgham, he, he can make contested catches, right? He's a bigger guy, bigger bodied guy. And they, they tend to run some simple stuff for him. And they, they trust him and, and throw the ball up every once in a while. And Fulgham is actually leading the NFL in receiving yards since week four. Then you've got Harry and it's like, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss. And I also think we're forgetting that Harry before the disastrous two weeks, that was the Denver game and the San Francisco game. He was showing improvement. Now, I don't know if he's a quote unquote building block or not. I think you can replace him and, you know, you wouldn't miss him terribly the way they're using him right now. But I do think there are receivers in the NFL with Harry's skill set who are good receivers. And so yep. I, I think it's out on the coaching staff to get the good out of Harry. All right, defensively on that side of the ball, building blocks, Greg, that you see. Well, in the, in the front seven, <laughs> Nick, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I, I, You know, you want to say Chase Winovich, and I do think that the, he is. I, I think that perhaps they need an offseason to maybe find out what his position is. Because, look, if they're not going to trust him on the edge to defend the run, and he did a really good job in week one, he started to slip every week after that. And I can see why the Patriots coaches have decided to do what they've done with his playing time. But if he's not going to hold the edge, you know, why not take a look at moving him inside uh, to inside linebacker, especially considering where they are right now. Um, and look, the the outlier in the front seven is Josu Uche. We didn't see him till last week. He played limited snaps. He did a fine job when he was in there. Can we say right now he's a building block? No. Uh, do I think he's going to be? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's 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 hard to tell with the draft picks. And then in the secondary, I think that Jackson Jones and I do think that Duggar is one, and and that's really it on defense. I mean, I don't know who who who, who pops for you. Nothing for Jennings. I'm just wondering. You know, I know he's played a lot less snaps recently. Do you see anything with Anthony Jennings or no? I think that I think that Jennings can be a good player, a good solid player, but I don't know if he's going to be any better than say like, you know, Gary Guyton or you know those type Brandon Spikes. Um, he certainly has more athletic ability than Spikes, but um, just you know one of those regular Patriots stand up linebackers that sort of do a good job. I mean, I have seen flashes of athletic ability. Um, but you know it really troubles me that in a you know in a in a game like the Bills game on on Sunday and also the 49ers game that that when they need to stop the run that he's not really out there and not really doing much. I mean yeah. he was he was terrible in the game before which is what I what I think landed him on the bench. Um so that's a concern, but I do think I think he's a good player but as far as a building block I'm all right these are who are going to be our playmakers or best players going forward. I can't say that about Jennings yet. I do think Duggar hasn't gotten on the field and it's, some of it's injury. Some of it's been scheme. Some of it's Belichick just doesn't trust because they're putting so much on the safeties right now. And that you not only have to know safety, but now you have to know linebacker, I think has really affected Duggar's ability to be on the field for this team. And that's disappointing because as we saw in the, what game was that? When he blitzed the Seattle game. Yeah. 
when they when they just gave him a job and say you blitz or go after Russell Wilson on every down, he was incredible, and he and he just jumped off the film. But they haven't done that in weeks, and it's and it's frustrating, and and it limits his ability to really be on the field and be impactful as a rookie, where it looks like he could do that. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because. You know, we think about Belichick and his coaching staff adjusting. They've got to start adjusting, I think, here. You know, they've got to start adjusting to their talent instead of trying to fit their talent into the system. And I know that might be a difficult transition to make, and it might be an impossible transition to make. But when you talk about a guy like Duggar, you know, to get the most impact out of him, you've got to play him like he played in Seattle. Again, to go back to Nikhil Harry. If you're going to get the most out of that guy, you got to use him right and get him going early to get the most out of Damian Harris. You've got to give him the damn football more than eight times to the first three quarters against a crappy run defense like Buffalo. Like you've got to do these kinds of things and maybe change a little bit of, of what you think philosophically now that it's 2020 and now that you've got some young guys and you're trying to create some building blocks. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens because to me, Greg, you know, the rest of this year, I, I think you can I think you can rip off some wins. I talked about this last night on EEI. I do think they can rip off some wins. When you look at the rest yep. of this schedule, I wouldn't really. be shocked if they finish eight and eight. I really wouldn't. Yep. I, I wouldn't even be shocked if they finish nine and seven. And they, they yep. still have a game against the Bills at Foxborough. That is a winnable game. We just saw that last week. They can win that game. They've got the Dolphins yep. two or through for less than a hundred yards last week. They could beat the Dolphins. Uh they've yep. got the Jets again later on this season after Monday night. I think they should win both of the games against the Jets. So that's already four wins. You're now talking six, you know, six and 10. And you can look at some of those other games, whether it's the Chargers with a rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, whether it's, you know, the Cardinals with a a cross-country flight to Foxborough and their defense hasn't been great without Chandler Jones. You know, I do think there are some games, you know, they should have at least three or four more wins in the bank. And then it all depends on three other games that will swing the schedule. The, The, you know, when you look at it, they can either finish, you know, six and ten or nine and seven. I don't think any of that would be would be yep. strange to see. Nick, uh, hey, one thing I wanted to get your opinion on. Sure. I meant to mention Hightower. I I still think he's a building block for this team. I think he's going to be. I was looking at his age. He is going to be thirty-one next year. At a lot of spots, I don't know if I would consider that, but I would say for the next. If he comes back, and we don't know whether he's going to come back, I think for the next two years, I think he is a building block Yep. Uh, if for the middle of that defense. So I did want to include him. And the, and the other thing that you mentioned about adjusting the scheme, I get what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but this is where the lack of drafting and developing has caught up with the Patriots because yeah. now they're in the same they're, – they're basically this year on defense, they're in the same situation they were in years previous with Brady and, and the offense. And what I mean by that is Tom Brady was 20 years into the offense, and they – so that you brought in – we all know the thing. You bring in the young tight ends or receivers, and it, they can't get on the same page with Tom because Tom wants it done, done a certain way. Now, all of a sudden, you bring in these rookies that you need to plug and play into the defense because you you there's been no uh, development plan here because you can't draft anybody. And so you have Devin McCourty and uh, Jason McCourty and Lawrence Guy and other guys running a a defensive scheme that they're three, four, five years into running 
really well with the amoeba yeah. and this and yeah. that. And now you try to plug in Duggar and Jennings and right. Boucher, and, and now they 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 can't trust them. They're basically the receivers uh, to 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 Tom Brady's situation. Yeah, and and, yeah. and that's that's been a problem this year. It's a great point. I would say, listen, I, I'm not going to judge any rookie this year. I'm just not. Given yeah. the circumstances, I, I'm, you know, I give them a pass. I do. They didn't have a rookie camp. They didn't have preseason games. They didn't have joint practices. If a rookie pops this year, even a few games, I think you feel really good about that rookie, which is why Anwanu, I mean, I, I think the season he's had tells you he has a very, very, very high ceiling. The way he's yes. been able to compete and actually mm -hmm. win the battles and also moving along the offensive line. This is a guy that's done it now at three different positions on the O-line. So he's got versatility and a very high ceiling. The pops that we've seen from Duggar, I feel good about him. But, you know, I'm going to give it a pass with all the stuff we don't know. I don't think we know who Asiasi or Keen or Uche or Jennings, we don't know who those guys are going to be. And, and I know it's yeah. a very unpopular take because 2020, you've got to know what's happening right now and let people know how you feel. But before the season kicked off, I said, this is going to be a different season. This rookie class is behind the eight ball. New England is already a difficult system to figure out. Belichick does not love leaning on the younger guys. So this is going to be one of those growing pains type of seasons. And we'll really get a feel for who these guys are, I think, in the first quarter of 2021. I think that's when you'll start to figure out, okay, you know, this guy is actually useful or this guy stinks out loud. Uh, I do yep. want to go back quickly before we get to the Jets, and we're only going to spend a couple of minutes on that dumpster fire. Yep. But I, I did want to mention when we talked about this, the reason why I brought up the schedule and the wins and the losses, it's because I, I think at this point, I know he doesn't like to do it, but what I would like to see Belichick do is start playing the young guys. Like, I, I know Asiasi's yeah. on the IR. I get that. You know, his season is wasted. But if you can get Dalton Keene snaps and get him the football in his hands, do it. Damian Harris, give him 20 touches a week. Uh, get Uche out there a little bit more. Get Jennings out there a little bit more. And I know it, you might pay for it, and I know it's against Belichick's, you know, what's ingrained in him, and he wants to win as much as possible, and, all, and I get that. But for the betterment of the future of this team and to try to figure out if those guys could be building blocks, I'm not saying give them 90% of the snaps, but I do think you've got to put them in the mix a little bit more and find out if they can sink or swim. You know, yep. that's the kind of season we're at. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of that. All right, let's get to the Jets. Just, uh, I know Joe Douglas talked about this team earlier this week, and I credit Douglas, their GM. Uh, he took all the accountability that he could take, all the responsibility. This really isn't his team. The, the Jets, if you look at how they ran business, it's an absolute disaster. When you look at, you know, having Mike McCagnan run your draft and run your free agency period, and then you get rid of McCagnan and bring in a new GM, that's just outrageous to me that you would have the GM <laughs> run your off season and then you get rid of the GM. So the guy that you didn't trust and you got rid of, ultimately you let him make all the big decisions that year. And then you let him go and bring somebody new in. It's, it's just, it's perfect. Jets football, uh, breaking news. This team isn't very good, Greg. Uh, <laughs> when, when you watch them, I mean, what, what do you take away? Anything, Sam Darnold, is he done? Did they squander his career the way they've handled them? They look, they're spunky. They've, you know, they've been competitive. Um, they gave the bills all they could handle, um, which was sort of the same position that the Patriots were in. Uh, and they also played the chiefs tough, you know, for a while. And I think that, you know, one of the things that the jets do well, that could be an issue in this game is that they, they do a pretty good job against the run. 
And so, uh, you know, is, is that an issue? Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, is always a wild card in terms of you know he's going to be pressure. You know they're, they're going to be a little bit dirty. Um, you know, all those things. I think offensively, I don't think – I don't think Donald's done yet. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm still a big fan. I don't think he's ruined yet. I he like will him make too. a couple. Yeah, he record, will make like a couple. Donald. Okay, for he will make a couple plays every game where you're like, holy crap! Like, where did that come? You know, where did that come from? And it's not, it's not the jo- Josh Allen type where it's like, all right, you know, he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat for five right. or six passes, and then he, all of a sudden he drops a diamond. Like Donald is much more consistent. He just. There isn't much around him, and and you see that, and and Gase, because of his head coaching responsibilities, is no longer the game planner that he was, uh, you know, in his best days. Um, but I will say, I'm really looking for. I want to see Denzel. I want to see a little bit more of Denzel Mims. He was a guy that a lot of people, the wide receiver, that a lot of people the, thought the Patriots might take. Uh, because of of his ridiculous athletic ability, and Nick, wait until you. I don't know if you've watched Becton, the oh, yeah. left tackle for them. I, I watched him at Louisville last year. He's a monster. I mean, I saw him. I think it was because I, I watched a lot of the Bills game that they played. He is, yeah, he's a monster. He's fast. <laughs> he, he, if he gets out there on a block, I mean. Poor Adrian, like this might be the R.I.P. Adrian Phillips game. We're finally <laughs> the finally the bug meets the windshield. Um, Bill Belichick's bug goes into the windshield of of High Becton and is just squished, and we never hear from him again. I mean, or even uh, you know Juwan Bentley. You know, if that guy's healthy and and out there, man, you the, probably one of the scariest sights in the NFL right now is Becton coming with a head of steam, pulling, and you having to take him on. Like, good luck. Yeah. We talked about building blocks for the Patriots. When you look at the Jets roster, you know, you could say maybe Darnold, but I think I would not be surprised if Darnold's gone. Uh, If you're the Jets, if you can draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and trade Darnold and get something back for him and reset that quarterback contract and get five years. Like, yep. I wouldn't be surprised if Darnold is gone. I do still like Darnold, but for the team, you know, building blocks wise, Makai Becton might be the only building block on that team right now. Like he might yeah, be the Quinn, only guy. Quinton Williams is decent. Um, I think he's got, I think he's got a future, especially um, in a different scheme, the defensive tackle. Um, but you're right. I mean, even, you know, Herndon, the tight ends, you want to be excited about him, but um, he, he underachieves more than anything. I think Perrine, the, the running back, he'll pop with a few plays this weekend. I think people will like what they see out of him, but he's not a he's not a franchise back. He's just sort of like a yeah. uh, versatile uh, pass back. Yeah, I liked Williams coming out of Alabama. I did. I think yep. I think he's a good player. I just don't know if he's the right fit for the Jets. Oh, and right, May the safety. Yep. To the uh, Boston Sports Journal member question of the day. Uh, check them out at BSJ, 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and of course you are, if you're listening to this podcast, the membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis from Badad. He does that on the uh, coaches, uh, coaches film, of course, and then direct access to uh, Bedard as well in weekly chats. Let's go to uh, Jay Brown. I-, I know you mentioned Uche just a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, yeah. But what did you think about Uche overall in his limited snaps? Uh, you know, what stood out to you? What do you think we could see as far as development from him the remainder of the year? 
Yeah, well, I mean, as as far as his snaps, um, you know, I thought they were, I thought they were decent. Uh, he got in there and he was basically sort of like a sub rusher for a while, and he did. He had a he had a knockdown, and at first, when I was watching it on the on the TV copy, it was uh, it was sort of like a it was a it looked like a coverage pressure, where uh, the quarterback really didn't have a whole lot. Uh, Allen at first. And then they were flushed left, and and Uche was a, a, able to get a hand on him and shove him out of bounds as he got rid of it. Um, I I I didn't on t on the TV copy. I didn't think that Uche had much to do with it. On on the coach's film, that changed. I did think that he was responsible for the pressure, so I gave him a knockdown on that. I also thought there was a screen pass that uh, he he clearly diagnosed early and got in and sort of screwed up. So those were two promising plays. I mean, outside of that, he only played 12 total plays. But I thought that was good. He did have to come on once Bentley got hurt and play stand-up linebacker. I didn't really get a, get a good read on that. I, nothing went one way or the other. But certainly he's athletic. I like the way he impacted the left tackle on that pressure. Uh he did show that arm length that we've seen, even though he's on the shorter side. The arm length is a factor and could be a problem for blockers. He should he showed good speed to power on that rush. And so uh, there were certainly things that I liked there. We just need to see a, a whole lot more, but certainly promising. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the play against Josh Allen. Allen's not the easiest guy to take down. No. And, and you're in the open field one-on-one, -on -one, and it might seem like a simple thing, but you know, it was a quality, solid tackle on a guy who's tough to bring down and could be elusive from the quarterback position. So I, I thought he stood up in the open field as well against Allen, which was nice to see, especially given some of the missed tackling that we saw in that game by the Patriots defense. I mean, my goodness. All right, let's look at the game coming up on Monday night. Yep. The line is Patriots minus seven. How you feel about it, Greg? I think I feel pretty good, Nick, actually. Um, don't tell anybody I said that, but um, – <laughs> But I do like I. <clears throat> what I saw out of the game on Sunday against the Bills, I was really excited. What I saw out of the second half out of Cam Newton, outside of the fumble, I had him for uh, six plus plays and no negative plays. Now wow. that yeah, that being said, a lot of it was scripted. And Nick, the the feeling I got from watching the game was they basically wanted basically they know they only have a certain number of pass plays that they have. Um, a high degree of confidence that Cam is going to execute right now. You don't like to be there, but that's where they are. And and I think that McDaniel's pushed off using almost all of those pass plays till the second second half. There was one in the first half. Cam just missed the touchdown to Gunnar Olszewski. That's going to happen. He got fooled a little bit in coverage. Um, but I think they have so many arrows in their quiver, and they and they waited. And that's because I think the edict was look. We're not going to win another freaking game if we keep turning the ball over. So let's, what can we run that is, that we're not going to turn the ball over on? Or at least we have a high confidence of that. And and they almost got through the whole game until that fumble with 30 seconds left in the game. They didn't play turnover. They, they didn't have a turnover. And that's why they were competitive in that game. If they, if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to be competitive in every single game. And I thought what I saw out of Cam through with anticipation a few times in that game, a couple of it was, uh, most of it was scripted where there, I don't know if you remember, there was a 22 yard pass to bird over the, almost over the middle Yeah, where 
Cam yep. faked into the right flat and then yep. threw over the top of uh, of the linebackers and also uh, with anticipation on that. It was, that was a great pass and one of the best of his of the season. But I could tell you that was scripted. That is, they just told Cam, all right, we're going to call this play fake and just throw it. Don't think about it. Don't read it. Don't double clutch. Just throw it. And, and we'll see what happens. And it, and it worked perfectly. Hopefully they can expand from there. I think they'll be able to. I think the running game is going. I think that Damian Williams is going. I think that they'll hopefully they'll figure it out on defense somehow. But I like the Patriots and I like uh, and I'm and I'm taking the points. Yeah, I, I mean I feel the same way. I think they will win this game by more than seven. I think they will be able to run the football. I think Cam, absolutely, I agree with you. Got much better. If we're talking about you know, from the Denver game to the San Fran game to last weekend, we saw the progression that I think we hoped to see. And I also think the Patriots did a lot of the stuff that you and I talked about, how to try to get Cam back on track. Again, the scripted stuff, the simple stuff, uh, utilize the run game, give Harris some more touches. And we saw those things happen, get him on the move as well, Cam. And so we saw that. And I think that will be the recipe to win games this year. Is that going to be eight wins, nine wins, seven wins, six wins? Not sure, but that's the recipe. And I think this is a 10-point game. I think the Patriots get it done. Well, there you have it. His name is Greg Bedard. I am, of course, Nick Cattles. This is the uh, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. Everybody be good, be safe, be healthy over the weekend. Enjoy the game on Monday night. Greg and I will catch up with you next week.